is up everybody my name is james d fiore and this is blackballed sometimes you have a career in music that is a very kind of phenomenal path that that you end up taking and one of those people is my guest today he was kind of like the protege i would say of, of marley marl and if you know anything about hip hop, you know that that, you're, that that is starting back at a time when, first of all, the competition was fierce. And second of all, he was like a living legend. And this man who we have on the show today was only 17 years old at a time when people were like banging on Marley Marl's door, um, you know, 24 seven. He was sort of the guy that you saw back then. And since then, I, I, I've looked at his catalog over the last week or so, and I, I can't name a cat that this guy hasn't worked with that's been like a fierce lyricist. So I'm really excited to talk to him today. Um, please welcome to the show, super producer extraordinaire, Domingo is in the house. How are you, What's up, bro? How you doing? I'm doing well. Um, we have a bit of an echo. I'm going to mute you while I talk just so I don't hear the... Actually, the echo's gone already, so that's good. Um... Did I get any of that wrong? That whole protege thing with Marley Marl. Is that an accurate way to describe it? Because I, I heard you in an interview talking about how you were like 17 and he was trying to find you and he was like making sure that you weren't ever too far away so that he could come. And he's just like, listen, your beats are dope. Like, like, is, is that an accurate depiction of how that started? Uh, somewhat. <laughs> he, Can you give um, me a better idea? Hmm. Yeah, basically, um, he had announced on WBLS radio back then that he was working on in control volume two and he was looking for artists and my um childhood friend junior uh his name is edison we was hanging out in front of his father's house drinking a 40 <laughs> and my friend edison was like yo that's you he's talking about you you need to you need to get molly your demo and i was like nah and then he went inside got his dad's keys to his car and told me get in the car I'm driving you to BLS and we went up to BLS radio and I mean, this is a longer story, but I'll cut it short. And Molly came out and there was a lot of people waiting for him. And I just stood to the side. And then when he was walking past leaving, I tapped him and gave him my, my tape. And then from there, I got a phone call from Francesca Spiro, who was the manager at the time and rest her soul. Um, she was like, you know, are you the Puerto Rican kid Molly's making a big deal over? And I didn't really believe it until I went down the Lafayette Street in Manhattan to her office and Molly got on the phone with me and was like, yo, I want to sign you to In Control Volume 2 because I was actually rapping. And Yeah, I, I yeah. saw that in an interview. Yeah, you were you were rhyming. And then and then you noticed that Marley Marl was never asking you about your rapping, but he was asking you about your beats. Yeah. No, I would give him demo after demo, and he would always be like, yo, these beats are dope, but never said nothing about the rapping. That so, sucks. <laughs> I got the then, time. Yeah, if you, have an ego, if you have an ego of a rapper, I can only imagine you're just at the time just like, well, wait a second, man. Like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and so 
I started producing artists that were under him. We, we, he would bring me to a studio in Queensbridge. It was like a storefront. And I would go in there and produce my man, Big Money Wiz, who's also, uh, his name is Nicky Scoff. And um, I produced his demos for Marley. Um, I was around when Marley did um, Craig G's second album in Chung King. Mm -hmm. I was actually with Marley in Chung King when he did Jingling Baby for LL. Oh, wow. So... Yeah, I've I seen a lot of history. I'm grateful. But, um, yeah, so that's basically how it happened in a quick, quick synopsis of it. And Molly just kept saying the beats are dope. And I was like, you know what, then? I'm just going to do beats. That's it. And now, that's, you, that's where it went. Were you, because um, I know that you did a lot of stuff with, uh, first of all, actually, before I even get there, I had a guy named Marvin Prince on the, on, uh, the podcast not too long ago. And right around the time that you were doing stuff with Marlon, um, he went down there with snow to record informer and all that. Were you around for any of that? Because there, there was a lot of controversy after all that. Nah. Um, I know MC Shan wrote the song that I know, but I, I, I don't know snow. I never met him, but MC Shan, that's like my big bro. So, yeah, you know, I know Shan did a lot of that, did actually the song, but, um, nah, I wasn't around for none of that. Okay, I was just I was just curious. I had Marvin Prince on, and there was a whole court case where he, where Snow got sued, and and the the weird thing is, is that the jury came back and awarded Marvin one point five million, and then six, and then and then Marvin Prince was in uh, Toronto, where I'm from, um, and he was hanging out with Chuck D, or or he met him or something, and he told him about his case, and Chuck D's like, you're never going to see any of that money, and he's like, well, what do you mean? I already won the case, and he's like. You're a black man in America trying to get money off of a white guy. You're not going to get it. And, and, and it was the label, too. <laughs> and, and six months later, the judge uh -huh. inexplicably threw out the case for no reason at all. He overruled the jury, didn't award him any money. You know, Doesn't surprise me. I know. This is a tough game. Doesn't there, surprise man. me. Music it's business is, is so crooked, bro. Unbelievable. How has your experience been in the music industry? Because when someone takes a look at their at your catalog, and I'm, I mean this respectfully, because I know who you are because I'm ahead. I look at your catalog. I'm, I'm just scrolling through the gigantic list of people that you've worked with, and it's like a who's who of hip-hop. Right. But, but let's, I mean, to be honest, you're not a household name. So I'm just curious. You are among heads, right? And that's probably more important to you anyways. But like... You know, like, is there a reason for that? Have you in the music industry, you know, had it out? Or, or is it just kind of the way that you like to flow and just, you know, you're, you're happy with how the trajectory went? Um, I mean, in my, in my own world, in my space, I know what I've done in the music game. So nobody could take that away from me. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, there was a point that it would kind of bother me that I wouldn't get mentioned amongst the premieres, the Pete Rocks and all of that. Because I put in just as much work as them. And I love them dudes. So there's no disrespect to them. Nothing. You know, mm. they, they, you know, me and Prima tight. Peter's my dude. Or Diamond D, all of them. But there was a point where I was like, damn, man, they never mentioned me. You yeah. know what I'm saying? But I'm over that. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can't take away what I did in the game. No. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and I'm like, I mean, you got me. You got Beat Nuts. My man VIC, there's probably a few other Latin producers, but I put it down really heavy. You know what I'm saying? In, in hip hop and music general, because I've done remixes for Amy Winehouse. I yeah. did 
Alicia Keys demo songs when she when she got signed to Clive Davis. I did three demos with her. You know what I'm saying? So my foot has been very strong in the game. But my friend, my, my man, uh, Boogie the Hitmaker, my man, Jay Beats, he, his peeve with me is, yo, you don't tell people enough of who you are, bro. So <laughs> I've never been a person that's cocky. I'm not cocky. Yeah. I've never been chasing it for the fame. Okay, cool. Uh, I mean, you know, people call me legendary. I appreciate that. But that's a heavy word to throw around. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I worked with damn everybody. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Now, on that list, on that list is missing Jay-Z, Nas, Biggie, and maybe a few other people. But I was with Nas when he got signed to Illmatic. There's a picture of me and Nas. Nas could tell you, I, me and uh, Traj brought him to East New York, Brooklyn, so he could hit my beats when he was working on Illmatic. Wow. And we brought him to my friend's apartment. You know what I'm saying? See, to, see, to me, that's a movie. You know, despite, yeah, I, you know, despite anything. Like, it's, it's just one of those things. I, and and I, I don't want to, I don't want to start any beefs here, but um, I, I just want to ah. know, I, I, well, because it just, because I had a bad experience with MC Search, and, and I'm just kind of curious. Right. His role in that whole Illmatic thing was really just like intermediary that helped set up the money, right? I mean, as far as I knew, Search managed him. Now, me and MC Search go very, very way back, yeah. so I've never had issues with Search. So I'm not going to be one of the people that's going to sit in and be like, you know, search this, search that. That's okay. I don't want to do that anyways. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. I know you don't, but I'm just making it straight. Like, dude has always looked out for me. Dude, you know, he's always like, I could text search right now and he'll hit me back. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, I got a lot of love for search. I mean, mm. the people got something to say about him. That's see how I always, how I always dealt with things is even when I was signing the Molly. Certain people in the game told me, ah, be careful, this and that. And I'm going to tell you, Molly's never did nothing wrong to me. Oh, Molly, kept me Molly kept me fed. Did I help Molly with producing records? I never did a beat for Molly, but me and Molly did things together. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I helped him do a Rest of President remix back in the days. What was my help? I gave him the sample, one of the samples that's in there. A lot of people will say I did this, I did that with him. Cool. But my the way I've lived my whole career is if somebody did something to you, doesn't mean they're going to do it to me. Is, you is know that, what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I, I feel that. Is, is that one of the main differences between hip-hop back in like late 80s, early 90s or whatever to now is that like now I, I, it was uh, Jay-Z's New York State of Mind or Empire State of Mind or whatever that's called. Um, you still look at the writing credits. There's like eight people or something right and like five producers or whatever back in the day if you would have helped marley find a sample you would have gotten a production credit nowadays <laughs> like is that kind of the difference yeah i guess i don't know you know all, uh, how that arrest the president thing went down was i was home and marley called me said yo do you still because how he heard he, he knew the sample it was on one of the demo tapes i gave him yeah of me rapping so he was like, yo, you know that Cliff Noble's The Horse record? I said, yeah. He goes, you still got the 45? I said, yeah. He's like, yo, jump in the cab, come to Chung King. That I must took have been exciting, man. That must have been exciting yeah. for you because you were so young, bro. Like, you were like, man, you know. I wouldn't, yo, let me tell you something. 
to this day, me and Marley are very tight. Marley tells me shut up sometimes on the phone because I'm still thanking him to this day. Oh, wow. You well, know that's what I'm good. saying? You, that you're one of the first life. There's a couple guys that I talked to I'm in, in prepping for this interview. Um, they don't know you personally or anything, but they, they through the grapevine, they've always heard that you're, um, you're one of the most humble guys who's got so much talent, who has all this reason to be cocky, but you're very humble and approachable and people like you. Do you like having that reputation? Like, is that the kind of guy that you want people to see you as? I'd rather come across as humble and likable than an asshole that's cocky. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Enough. I mean, yeah. like I said earlier, I could be cocky, but I choose not to. Because I feel like, you know, the silent moving in silence is better for me than always being out there talking about I, I'm this, I'm that. I don't need to say it. Let the music talk for it. Isn't that, you know that's, a care, that's a KRS line, isn't it? Real bad boys move in silence, right? Absolutely. Listen, I come from East New York, Brooklyn. Yeah, we man. move in silence. Yeah. <laughs> Anytime someone got yeah. in my, I remember walking truck because I used to be a, a, a rave promoter, and we used to throw in right. uh, rap. We used to throw in like hip hop MCs over like um, the jungle beats and like the drum and bass beats and stuff like that. Yep, yep. But but then I'd be walking home at four o'clock in the morning and uh, in downtown Toronto, and I knew from a young age that when someone came up to me and was like, "What's up, man?" that you just look him right back in his face and like, "Not much, dude. You because if you cower, then they're gonna get you, right?" Like, absolutely. So, so it was interesting um, that, that, you know, that whole real bad boys move in silence thing. Speaking of KRS-One, you, you, like, when I go down that list, you seem to have a real appreciation for the rappers that have, like, that bring lyrics, you know? Oh, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Can you talk about I, that I, a little bit? Because I, I feel like the old cranky guy shaking his cane at all the mumble rappers and stuff. Like, I just want to know. Like, nah. <laughs> you know? Listen. Uh, I just spoke with G-Rap tonight, and, and G-Rap, if he was on this call with us, he'd tell you, I'm probably the one person that bugs the shit out of him. Like, when we were working on his album that just came out, I would listen to his lyrics, and I'd call him, or I'd type it back to him, like, yo, what was you thinking? Because... Like talk love, like sex? <laughs> yeah, well, talk. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. And, and And the crazy thing is, man... I love an artist that's lyrical, man. Like with the flow, the metaphors, the syllables, multi-syllable. I love those type of artists. I mean, look, I'm not going to sit here and knock drill rap. I'm not going to sit here and knock none of that. But you're not getting me to listen to that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because I come from I come from the school of, of, of lyrics and beats and all of that. So yeah. I can't really I can't really listen to you know, like mumble rap and drill rap. But I, listen, I ain't knocking them. Do your thing. But I'm not I'll listening knock, to I'll, it. I'll knock them. I'll be the asshole for this interview. Okay. I don't care. <laughs> Yo, and by the way, not to get on, not to get yeah. off subject. I love Toronto, man. It's a beautiful city. Oh, that's good. Beautiful. Yeah, man. We've had we have a really really rich hip hop history too. There was like a pipeline between Toronto and New York. Um, we had this, this venue called the Concert Hall. And, right. and we had like, we had everybody, man, like, like in, from like 1984 to like 1994, every New York rapper came to Toronto all the time. And there are people like, uh, back then it was like Maestro Fresh West and Cardinal and Shaw Claire and Thrust and all these guys used to just go to New York in the summertime and just hang out with you guys. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Lots I of love. Cardinal. Lots of love for you for, dude, basically we, uh, 
our 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 hip hop style was completely influenced by you guys. Like New York was what we were hearing and and what we were listening to at the time and it was right. bas basically all the cast that you worked with the cool g raps and the big daddy canes and the rack kims and all that and the def jam guys like those it was just what we did um and uh i'm so happy that that was my it, it's really kind of beneficial for um for a guy like me who lives who's white kid from toronto who was brought up on the hip-hop that was from brooklyn and queens like that was it was everything to me, you know, and nah, no doubt. And um, yeah, so I'm, I'm looking over your list here, and I'm going to go over some of this, some of this stuff. I had a uh, there's a rapper friend that uh, that I have that wanted me to ask you because you're, you're the the people the the list of people that you work with is so extensive. Were was there any was there ever a time or how many times I guess um were, did you work with artists where you never actually got to be in the studio with them? Um. Very well, it all, so it's always kind of in the studio with him, right? So that, that's good. That's good mm -hmm. because that's another modern thing that I've I've been noticing that people sometimes never yeah. even meet and they do compilations together. I right? mean, I mean, uh, nowadays, yeah, I'm rarely in the studio. I mean, when we did G's last album, we was in the studio together in New Jersey, and mm -hmm. and um, because that's just the way me and G work. But like, if I did something with, you know, I got I got songs I'm getting ready to drop. And you know, I send the artist to beat, bring back the vocals, mix it. But like all those like stuff, you're looking at that list. That's definitely I was in the studio with Eminem, in the mm. studio with Alicia Keys, in the studio with Rakim, Kane, you know, and KRS definitely. I heard. Uh, can I ask you? Can I? Can we go down a little bit on that list and just tell me what it was? What their process is like? Like, yeah, sure. uh, like. Because I know Eminem's got a pretty legendary kind of process where he's like, I heard he, first of all, I heard, it's hilarious. I heard he works nine to five. Like he just, yep. when it's five o'clock, he's like, all right, I'm out. You, yeah. you turn around, you get the shit ready and he's gone. <laughs> kind of I mean, well, I worked with him back in 99 when he just got signed to Dre. Yeah. And Paul Rosenberg brought him to Queens, to Queens, New York to be on my um 13th floor album like a lot of let me now that you know we we talk about that real quick let me just straighten something out that a lot of people don't understand there's a mm. song called hell there's a song called hellbound with eminem on it that a lot of people think that's where he did those vocals the vocals for hellbound are off my album mm. the song's called hustlers hardcore what happened was we did the Game Over series albums, me and the, my dude DJ Rob, and we put the Eminem vocals on the Hellbound song with um with Master Ace and um, I believe my man Jay Black. So that ver those vocals is you know is recycled from my yeah. album, but okay. for my album Eminem came to Queens. He actually made me slow the beat down. Like the beat you hear him rhyming over was a lot faster. Right. And I don't know why, but he made me slow it down. <laughs> so he could write and rap to it. Now, truth be told, me and my engineer cussed, I didn't know who Eminem was. Oh wow. Like all I know is uh the dude did that he get, did, did sorry did he get the no. white guy look? Did he get the white guy look when he walked <laughs> in the studio? <laughs> Man. I know that look, man. Yo, I know that look. <laughs> yo, he he was brown hair, brown eyes, with a button-up uh, flannel shirt. 
Wow. And I looked at him because uh, my man Steve Salem, rest his soul, he was like, you got to get this kid Eminem on your album. You have to. I'm like, who is that? He's like, he's run battle raps. Blah, blah. I'm like, all right, cool, whatever. I take your word for it. Paul Rosenberg brought him. When he walked in, he sat next to me, and we're talking. But I'm looking at my engineer like, who is this kid? <laughs> and and so then he said, yo, can you slow the beat down? And I'm like, are you serious? He's like, yeah, yeah, I just want to flow better to it. So we slowed it down. He went in the booth, and when he went in the booth, he changed my mind completely. Yeah, like I was, I was blown away. I said, "Yo, this kid is crazy." And then a week later, two weeks later, he signed to Dre, and he blew up before before my album came out. He already had blown up. I, I like hearing Fat Joe talk about how he still kicks himself because he could have been the first one to sign him. Yeah, I mean. I don't know. I'm not saying Joe wasn't signing them. I'm yeah. not sure. I wasn't around for that, but maybe. Yeah. Um. Just before we, because I kind of, I kind of, I'm so curious about all these other guys that you work with. But when we were growing up, I don't know how old you are. I'm 46, but you know, the, I'm 52. I, I, Okay, so uh, I started listening to hip hop in like 1985. I started writing rhymes in like 1987. So I've been, I've been just like a, a hobbyist and like you know just a guy who loves the fucking music for a long time but when we were young it was almost like rappers were like athletes and once they reached like their mid to late 80s or mid to late 30s it, it then you know they kind of like they would do the best up tour then they would retire or whatever that right it, a lot of rappers now that like and and i guess i'll use Emma as an example but also like dre and like uh method man like there's a whole bunch of cats that put out new shit and their skills haven't diminished. And in some cases, I dare, I like, I, I mean, listen, I like Eminem's old shit. He does stuff now, like that track, Lucky You with Jordan Lucas, that I'm just like, I don't think he could have even done that when he was younger. You know, like, the, the, is, is there different now? Are people putting in more work for longer now so that their their muscle that that uh, helps carry their creative into the into the rhyme book? Like, is, is that something that is new? Um, in, in modern age that wasn't really happening back then? I mean, maybe because now artists, I don't know, artists put a lot of pressure on themselves to keep up with, you know, with the trends and all of that. So hmm. I'm not sure, though, but maybe, maybe. Okay, rack him in the booth. What's he like? He writes his rhymes in graffiti. What? <laughs> he writes his rhymes in graffiti. That's the truth. I did, he really does. Like he's got his own brick wall? No, his book. <laughs> oh, he, really? He, uh, well, so, no one can bite, huh? so no one can bite his rhymes because it's in his own font? That he writes rhymes in graffiti every wow. show you see me. Yo, I'm, he does. He writes in graffiti. Wow, that's crazy. In the booth, in the booth, he's one take most of the time. He was my favorite growing up. Like he, like, I, I felt like... um. Like it was like Kubo D, um, what was modern for some reason? I look at Kubo D. I, he's the interesting cat to me because it's like he is sort of like he's like old old school and not quite new school, but almost. And then Rakim's like, I'll take care of this. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, and uh, and Big Daddy Kane was like that for me too. Like like I I miss rappers like that. I do, you know. I, yeah, I, man. 
I want a new breed of rappers that to all be born and they're all just old school fiends. Just I'm sure I'm sure there's artists out there that are bred like that. I mean, okay, for instance, you got Tom L, Rock Him's son. Mm. That's really Rock Him's son. Tom L is doing his thing. You've worked with you a know? bunch of legendary sons too. The Big Pun's kid, right? Fat yep, Joe's Chris kid. Uh, yeah. No, Chris Rivers is big pun son. I've never that. worked with Fat. Jo I've never worked with Fat Joe's kids. Okay, I'm sorry. Um, it was big pun. I was nah, it's all good. Yeah, big pun. Yeah, um, Chamel, Rockin' son, um, and uh, I mean, that's that's it though, as far as legendary sons. <laughs> that must be interesting though, like just to like the the two generations, just to see what their their differences and also their similarities, right? Yeah, yeah, um. Tom Mel, it's funny. I was having a conversation with Tom Mel, and I said, "Yo, there's certain points when you're rapping, I can hear the my melody rock him voice come out of you, and oh. that's your dad, you know." So, if you if you listen, if you go listen to Tom Mel, and just zone in on his voice, you hear a young rock him. That you cadence, definitely hear eh? that cadence, the cadence, the, cadence yeah. the voice, everything, you know. Uh, Ice Cube's kid is sort of like that too. That was so like it was so interesting watching that watching South uh, was it called South Central I can't remember what the name of the movie was but the movie about their lives there um, oh, oh yeah okay. Compton yeah. Uh, out of Compton straight out of Compton yeah it, it, like that, Compton. It, just like the way that he makes his eyebrows go evil I was like oh my god he's his dad <laughs> he was, I'll make you laugh we just me and my kids went to see Cocaine Bear and he's oh, in there oh is he really? <laughs> Ice Cube son yeah my son my youngest son was like. Yo, isn't that Ice Cube's son? I was like, yeah, that's a good one. I'm glad you knew that. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I have so many friends that could have been the stand-in for the actual bear because we did a lot of blow back in the day. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yo, that's actually a true story, bro. You, you know what's funny? I, I, um, I, I'm just going to tell my audience. I, sent, I wanted you to know that I was coming at this from like a lover of hip-hop. So I sent you a track, a, a track that I did. And I and right. I just wanted to reiterate that, <laughs> that I'm not sending you my music because I want to get signed. I just wanted to I'm send like you, so, yeah, but just to send it to you so you know that I was coming at this from like a, a guy who a loves the yeah man. A I love the cult, I love it so nah, much. I, yo, listen, man. You you could you could ask people on Instagram. People send me their stuff. I don't. I'm not gonna lie to you. I can't listen to everything, oh, but. Nine times out of ten, if I'm doing something or I'm not busy, I'll be on Instagram listening to stuff, hit back. And, you know, I mean, look, I came from where they came from, where they're trying to get to. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So I know the struggle. I know the steps. You know, so I, I don't ever forget that I came from exactly where they are. You know, That's it's just it, it's a lot. It's a lot easier to get into the game right now. You know? Well, there you guys like you were so accessible, you know. Yeah, it wasn't well, like that back in the day. No, not at all, not at all. And I think I think that's what makes people like say what they say. I'm humble. I'm a nice person because they. A lot of people tell me, "Yo, I I sent X Y Z a message and they read it but ignored me." And this that ain't got nothing to do with me. But I try to be accessible as possible because look how we make this hip hop thing survive is we teach the next one mm. what to do and what, what right, what's the right thing to do, you know? That's right. That's and right. some, some will listen, some won't. And it's cool. 
Yeah, you know what? Uh, it means so much to those kids. Because I remember being um, like in my early 20s and uh, actually the KRS once came to Hamilton, just the city outside of Toronto, and played at a place called Pepper Jacks. And um, okay. I, I was like in the front row. And uh, I had like seven beers in my hands and I was like not leaving the front row for the whole fucking show, right? <laughs> and, and then during the encore, my plan was, okay, I was going to go outside. I was going to look for the SUV with American plates and I found it, <laughs> right? And, uh, and wait for him because I wanted to just... Was I wanted it the to Navigator? S- it was, yeah. Okay. This, was, this, was two th- <laughs> this was 2005. Okay. So it was white and it was white. It was white, a white, navigator. Navigator. white Navigator, yeah. That's right. That's right. And, uh, you, and like, I you, like, for, you like how I guessed that one, right? Well, listen, you, I, I figure not only do you know all the rappers, but you probably know all their whips too, right? Uh, yeah, kind of, sort of. <laughs> yeah. But the reason why I did it is because I wanted to, like, fulfill a fucking dream of mine of, of ciphering with, with Karis. I didn't know if he was going to say yes, but but then he said yes. And I got that, and I spit sixteen, and then he freestyled. It's funny because Karis freestyles when you can tell that he's just like you know he was tired, he just did a show. He's always talking about the microphone and and then criminal minded, right? He's always got to say those two things. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but I took it, man. I took well, it as a W. You know what I mean? Like that was he, yeah, you know, I, man. I got to spit yeah. with Karis one. Fuck it, you know. Have you ever have you ever seen the video online of KRS One battles a fan in Pittsburgh? No. <laughs> you gotta look that. at that. Yeah. That was my con- that was a concert I did because I have that's hip hop music, and that's a concert company. And I did a concert with him and Rakim in Pittsburgh. This was 2015, I believe. Mm. And a fan wanted to battle Chris, and the fan was dressed like MC Shan in the Kangol oh. and everything. That's so. You got it. You can find the video on yeah. on on the internet. All you gotta do is put KRS One Battles Fan. I guarantee you'll find it. So after the concert, Chris comes to me in the dressing room and he goes, "Yo, you set me up." And I was like, "I didn't set you up." He's like, "Bro, why was the kid dressed like MC Shan?" <laughs> and he said, "I said, Chris, that same kid. I did a concert before that with Kane." Um, Kane, Kooji Rap, Brand New, being a DOS effect. Wow. That same kid was dressed the exact same way and put <laughs> his Kang- <laughs> Yeah, and when Kane jumped into the crowd, he put his Kangol on Kane's head. So oh, wow. Chris, Chris swapping down that I'd set him up. And I'm like, nah, but you wanted to battle him, so you battled him. <laughs> and won? I didn't think that was going to happen. Of course, Chris did. Okay, good, good. Well, then yeah, he should yeah. <laughs> He should have been like, thank you for setting me up with the kid that I well, just beat. <laughs> yeah, but the kid the kid was reciting um, Beat You Down by Black Poet. As part so of the battle? Was, yeah, the kid acted like uh, it was his song. The video, I ask you that? I yeah. gotta, I'll check out the video. I, I, I want to ask you that, though, because I ask every single hip-hop guy that I have on this show because it bothers me like you wouldn't even believe that the definition of the word freestyle miraculously just changed one day, going from off the dome, which is what I think it is, to like, oh, it's just a verse no one's heard before. Where did that come from? And what do you feel the answer is to what a definition of a freestyle is? Freestyle, as far as I knew, was always off the dome. Thank you very much. Always. <laughs> um, if, I mean, listen, I've been in radio interviews where 
you know, I'm not trying to put nobody on blast, but you know, I'll be with an artist. I'm not even gonna matter of fact, I'm gonna be fair. I'm not gonna mention the artist's name. Okay. But came the came the yo spit something and they pulled their phone out. So oh, Drake. Th- oh wait, someone else. Sorry. No, Sorry. wasn't Drake. <laughs> <laughs> no, but 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 that's that's not a freestyle, that's a written freestyle. So what do we classify it as? I don't know. A verse. It's a verse. My, my backpack is on so fucking tight that I don't even respect people that, that pull out their phones because I feel like the verse ain't ready if you haven't memorized it yet. You know? Yo, that's funny. I heard somebody say that to an artist recently. Like, yeah. yo, if you ain't memorize it, it's not a freestyle. It's not a verse. It's just something you're practicing with. That's right. Um, yeah. Listen, we we have to we have to kind of cut it short. We started late, and I have a show that's coming on this back end. No but problem, I could, bro. I could talk to you for hours. Um, don't worry, I won't be offended if you send me back an email uh, uh, that where I sent you the track where you're like, I just really like the beat. The beat's good, James. Nah, it's all good, Not bro. Bad. All good. All good. <laughs> all right. I definitely replied to it. <laughs> now, I, it's okay, man. I just want to let you know where I was coming from because listen, I love this shit. I love having you on because um, listen. You're a super producer. You're one of the greatest in my book, and um, and I really appreciate the Thank time. You. Thank you very much, man. I appreciate you. Thank you, brother. Thank you. All right, Domingo. You have a good night, buddy. All right, man. You too, bro. Cheers. Uh, that was a, a, a treat for me. Um, listen, I know a lot of you cats may not have heard of Domingo, but l- like, look him up and just check out the talent that he's worked with. It's 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 amazing. Um, I'm going to go pretty quick now because there's a show that wants that, that is waiting for me to finish so that it can come on. Um, I am not doing a double header tonight cause Tom Marazzo, um, it was past his bedtime, so <laughs> he didn't want to do it anymore. Um, but we'll have him on, uh, tomorrow classified at seven o'clock will be on the show. Uh, he's been on before he wrapped up his retrospective tour. I can't wait to talk to him about that because he didn't book any big cities, uh, when he booked the tour.
everywhere the imagination dares it's for the open-minded the pleasure seeker it's jeff woods with the new podcast about relationships and sexuality theme-based with special guests the blue hotel hotline at every episode climaxes with an adult bedtime story get a room and listen in at the blue hotel Begins Friday, September 23rd. Hi, I'm Mercedes Nickel, four-time Winter Olympian and host of Dropping In, a podcast with Mercedes. This is a podcast where I interview a bunch of different people. I get the good, the bad, and the ugly, as well as I share my stories along the way. Now you can drop in at droppingin.com or subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. I'll see you soon.